our fans, Pete here from the Lasser Cast, and I am with my good friend with the hottest fucking shirt you could ever imagine, right over there, Dr. Zayas G.O.D., Danny Torquell. Danny, stand up and show your shirt, please, to everyone. Look at that. Oh, so sexy. <laughs> I'm yeah, jealous. This is one of those, this is one of those, like, Facebook, obviously spying on me, was like, we think you'd like this, and I went, don't read my mind, Facebook. And then I clicked, please purchase. And now I, it was my first day of work shirt. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> well, you're going to have to stand up and point to the movie. If we reference any of these movies today, uh, we are going over the 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time, which just debuted on Shudder. It's part of their whole special lean all the way up to Halloween. And every week, they're going to have a new episode covering some of the scariest moments that are in horror movies. So last night, we got moments 101 all the way to 89. And Danny and I are here to discuss it. We want to hear what you guys have to say about it, too. So make sure in the comments, you're telling us if you agree or disagree with their choices. Now, before we get into this, Pete, I got to ask you, did you ever watch the Bravo 100 scariest horror movie moments that was done it's got to be like 15 maybe 10 to 15 years ago do you remember did you ever watch that uh, i didn't watch it like all the way through from like 100 to one but I, I definitely have seen a lot of it yes okay because like that was a huge event for like horror geeks like me we like um watched it and talked about it and argued about it like yeah losers <laughs> Like, like the typical horror nerds and geeks we are. Yes. And uh, I love that Shudder has revisited this because it's been so many years later. There have been so many great horror movies over the last, you know, two decades that deserve inclusion. Um, I, and I'm just really excited. I also think they got an amazing crop of talking heads uh, to talk about these movie moments uh yeah this is like a real murderer's row of uh people in the horror industry directors writers actors uh film historians uh people that are uh the curator of shutter it was on there sam zimmerman um yeah. i i wrote a list down i can go through a few of them if you want just to like i would love for you to do that yes because i want to talk about that list <laughs> well uh the guy who's you know, name we kind of take, we took for this channel, the, the lasser glass of Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan himself was there uh, with Kate Siegel, his uh, muse, partner in crime, wife, co-writer, partner. Um, Bree Grant, Greg Nicotero, Tony Todd, Gigi Saul Guerrero, Keith David, Tanana Du, Axel Caroline, uh, Ernest Dickerson, Al Alex Iso, Edgar Wright, Rebecca McKendry, who... We just reviewed Glorious on this channel not too long ago. That's her film, also on Shudder. Yes. Andy Muschietti, uh, the director of It's Chapter 1 and 2. Uh, I mentioned Sam Zimmerman. David da uh, Dasmalkian was there. Um, and Joe Dante, uh, only one of the most you know legendary horror filmmakers, the Howling Gremlins. So just a, an unbelievable murderer's row of talking heads. Uh, I think when you're doing a documentary style like this <clears throat> a list like this the quality of the overall product no matter if we agree with the list or not it always feels better 
uh, it always feels like a bigger thing when yes. you have these types of people, such respected names in the horror community. It yeah. really, it, that wasn't everybody, but that was as many as I could write down in 46 minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's funny because for our channel, we've actually talked about documentaries quite a few times. You know, we've talked about horror noir. We've talked about In Search of Darkness 1 and 2. We've talked about In Search of Tomorrow. And uh, it's, it's kind of ironic. It's like one of those mirrors, like a mirror reflected in a mirror, because there's people talking about horror movies, and then we're talking about them talking about horror movies. But the thing is, is that I eat this stuff up. I love hearing people that have a passion for horror movies talking about horror movies. I mean, that's kind of why we do this channel in the first place, just so we can talk like them, right? You guys ever want to have us on a documentary, by the way, Blaster Cast, you know? But anyway, um, I was really surprised with the level of talent that they got to, you know, commentate on the movies. And uh, it's kind of funny because I just mentioned In Search of Darkness. I just mentioned uh, Horror Noir. Both of them have been on Shutter before, and it looks like they just kind of brought some of those guests from yeah. those documentaries onto here. The the other thing, and this will be the last thing I say before we get into the list. Sure. Um, what I love about, especially documentaries like this, uh, In Search of Tomorrow, the ones you mentioned, In Search of Darkness 1, 2, Tomorrow, even Horror Noir, they serve as, uh, at, at the... Obviously, they serve as teaching tools, and and they they talk about the the era and the time period, and and but but even more than that, these serve as actual lists for horror fans uh, to kind of check off ones that they've missed. Like yep. I, Charlotte, what really helped Charlotte get into horror more than just me going, "You should watch this movie," was Eli Roth's History of Horror. Uh -huh. um, which was also uh, produced, and a lot of episodes were written and directed by Kurt Sayenga, who is the executive producer of this series. So, oh, wow. like, I cannot wait to rewatch this episode later on with her, uh, and you know, she'll kind of start to make a list. She's seen a few of these movies, um, yeah. so like, it for her, this list of 101 movie moments is going to serve as like a. Here's the ones that you really need to catch up on. Here's the, the ones you have to check off your personal list while you're watching this documentary series about a list of horror movies. <laughs> yeah, well put, well put. I mean, I, ha I hate to admit this, but I actually have not seen the majority of the movies on this first list from 101 to 89. So I was thinking that when we go through each entry, you and I can say if we've seen the movie, and, um, you know, obviously we will give our two cents if we have seen the movie. So um, just getting started right away. Number 101 was the beginning of It Follows. And I'm just going to go right off the record right here and say, I actually have not seen It Follows. Oh, yet. wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I don't love It Follows as much as other people. But okay. there are at least two moments in It Follows that genuinely I found really scary. One of them they actually show just in like the kind of background where there's this old woman who just constantly is just walking towards the screen following the main character later on in the film. But this opening scene is unbelievable. It really is. It's a great opening scene for this 
what this movie is about. Um, and again, if you haven't watched this yet, we are going to go through the list. We're going to, you know, we're going to spoil the list for you from 101 to 89. So if you don't want to know what the movies are in the list, go on Shutter now. It's a 46 minute episode. Watch it and then come back and hear us talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I need to watch It Follows. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, it's been a yeah. big talking point for horror fans since it came out. And it's yeah. just one of those things I just haven't got around to it because I'm always watching content for our channel. But I'm going to make a point to watch it probably this Halloween season. Yeah. That and, might be and what the I best do part is, October. The best part is it, nothing really got spoiled for you because they only show you the opening scene. So, right. uh yeah, and, and the opening scene is it's really brilliant. Yeah. So so one thing I'm curious about when we watch this though is when you watch these moments, Danny, and you've seen these movies, do you sit there and think, oh, they rank this really low, like 101? That's really low on the list. Like, do you think that is a fair place to put the beginning of it follows? It, it's hard to tell, obviously. Yeah. Um I don't think it's unfair um because there were a hundred you know i i'm thinking back to bravo's list now there were already yeah. like bravo had a list of a hundred before it follows ever came out so i i i don't know i i didn't love it follows as much as a lot of other horror fans so it didn't bother me that it was low we'll talk about there was one in particular one scene in particular from this list that I thought was, I was shocked how high it was on the list. Um, th this also, you also brought up something. It, one of my questions, a lot of times when people make lists like this, they tend to say, okay, well, we already hit this movie, so that's it. Mm. The, great, the greatest horror movies, the best ones, the ones on my shirt, have multiple moments. Mm -hmm, so I'm really mm -hmm. curious, like, Obviously, Bravo's all-time number one was the opening scene of Jaws. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue it. It's my all-time favorite horror movie. It's yeah. an incredible introduction to the movie. It's scary as hell. But also, I'd argue that when the shark first pops up and scares Brody on the boat, that amazing jump scare, which leads him to drift back and go, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. That would also be a moment on my list. So right. I'm curious if they're going to go back to movies or if it's just going to be 101 horror movies with the moments from them. I I'm curious. That's a really I good question. I think it's probably going to be one one moment per movie, if I had a guess. Yeah, because there's just so many amazing movies to draw from. Right? And they've already kind of alluded to some, like The Exorcist and Dawn of the Dead and Ouija Shark and just a whole bunch, you know? That's probably in the top 10. You're right. At least. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, growing with our list, we just crossed off 101. So that's one that I haven't seen. And now we have 100, which is The Orphanage. And it's this sequence, which is the, like the, it's almost like a red light, green light game that this woman plays with ghosts. And it's one, two, three, and she's knocking on the uh, wall. I have seen The Orphanage, and I actually really like The Orphanage a lot, and um, I, I think that it deserves to be on this list. I'm, I'm a big fan. That sequence is very well shot. What, what about you? I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, I, I really like this scene. I, 
I don't know if you remember the whole movie, but there's one scene where I think it's a like there was a car accident where one of the bodies, like the mouth, like drops open, where I almost like I almost screamed in the living room watching it. So it wasn't that scene, but there was at least one scene in the orphanage that really got me. I think it's a brilliant horror film. It reminds me a lot of early Guillermo del Toro. I think he might have produced it. He produced uh, it, yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of like his earlier films, like The Devil's Backbone and um, Kronos, uh, before he like got into Hellboy and started to get really huge budgets uh, yes. for his, his work. Um, it, if you haven't seen it, it's a great, great little uh, horror film. Yes. Um, that movie has uh, what we often talk about on this show, like just atmosphere. I just remember the atmosphere of that movie. You know, it, it's like palpable, right? And they commented on the that scene. They said that basically it's all one take and she's knocking on the wall and then she's turning around and the ghosts are getting closer and they're getting closer. And it's so simple. I think, um, uh, what's his face? The guy that did the, um, it, uh, Andy Muschietti, I think he was yeah. the one that was talking about it on the show. And he was talking about how it's such a simple thing to do, but just so effective and scary. And I, I don't think I can put it better myself, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. So uh, now here comes up number 99. And I'm wondering if this is the one that you were shocked. Now you said so high, but I'm assuming that you meant low on the list, right? I, I mean, the scene with the, the, the vampire kids hovering outside the window in Salem's Lot right. is universally considered right. to be a top 10 scare of all time. Um, right. Like people, and this is not just me talking, this is like most people in horror, like most horror fans and even people in the horror industry, when they talk about moments that terrified them, the kids hovering outside the window in Salem's Lot is that moment. Uh, especially if you're around our age or a little bit older. This, this this Salem's Lot came out in, I think, 79 or 80 on yeah. TV. But it was making the rounds on TV all the time when we were growing up. And right. oh my God, that scene gave me nightmares. When I saw that it was 99, I was like, they better have 98 more terrifying moments. And not to disparage the rest of the list to 89, but this for me would have had to have been way down towards the, I, I would put it top 25 to 20. Yeah. So I think one thing we should do moving forward, right? Is that if it's like a number one movie or top 10, we should say that that is, uh, that's high on the list. Right. And then like, a hundred and stuff is low. Okay, right. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. We're, on the we're same moving page. down, but we're getting hot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know it's confusing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting because they had Mick Garris on too. That I don't think he was in your murderers row that you mentioned, oh, but yeah, but Mick, Mick Garris is one of the people commenting, and you know it's kind of funny because he has made some of these made-for-TV miniseries based on Stephen King books, and it was interesting to hear him talk about a movie that was made by Toby Hooper. And one of the comments that Mick Garris made was that at that time, you really didn't have people that appreciated horror making horror movies on TV. And so to have Toby Hooper make it, that was something different. 
And I have never seen Salem's Lot, and that's something I also need to rectify. And I just really want to see that. Don't they actually have a Salem's Lot remake coming out, like as a movie? I think so. There, there have been a few versions of it, but Salem's Lot is on Shutter. Uh, okay. I think it, they have a Stephen King like collection, oh. and it's long. It was a TV movie. It's like over three hours, but it's worth sitting through because it's really good. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Have you seen Number Ninety Eight, Horror of Dracula? I have, and I love this moment, and I think it's well deserved to be on the list. Uh, it's Christopher Lee's, like, his introduction as Dracula, not just the "Hi, I'm Dracula," but then the scene where the camera flashes back to him, and he's got the blood red eyes and the blood dripping from his fangs. It is one of the greatest moments of Dracula in movie history from Bela Lugosi to Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. That is probably, and I think you heard this from some of the people talking about it. It is probably with the, maybe the exception of Bela Lugosi, what most people consider to be the definitive Dracula moment uh, is Christopher Lee with the bloody fangs and the bloodshot eyes in this hammer film. This is uh, this and um, uh, Frankenstein. Uh, the, I, I forgot the name of the hammer Frankenstein, if it was curse of Frankenstein, but those are, those were the first two hammer horror films. And they're the ones that like got the whole hammer horror train running. And Chris Lee was just, he was a perfect Dracula. Yes. He was so good. Yeah, I have not seen it, but you know that like The Wicker Man is like my favorite horror movie, right? With Christopher yeah. Lee. And so, I mean, I, I love him in everything that he's in that I've seen as well. I, I just, I know that image, like as a guy who has like put footage and stuff into our videos, I often see that exact image of him as Dracula. And that's what they even say in the documentaries. Like that's like this definitive image of Dracula. And they talk about how he's like, menacing almost like a panther in it in that scene and that the uh female vampire is like a, a feral cat i just i think it's so well done I, I just i have to go and watch this movie at some point yeah the early hammer stuff is really good i mean it yeah there are parts of it that are dated but i i really love the it, it's a great companion they're great companion pieces to the universal horror films yes well you know maybe we should do like a hammer month at some point on the Laster cast. Okay. I, I <laughs> twist my I arm. Twist your arm, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then let me ask you this: Black Sabbath, number nine, ninety-seven. Have you seen that one? Ozzy Bay. Oh, oh, wrong. Black Sabbath. Uh, right. Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I've actually seen this multiple times. Uh, I I went through an Italian horror phase. Uh, I think it might've been towards the beginning of the pandemic where I kind of blew through about five or six Baba movies and then almost all of Dario Argento's stuff. Um, and Black Sabbath is, it's the second black movie he did. He did Black Sunday, which I'm sure will be on this list at some point. Uh, right. And Black Sabbath is a Bella, not Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff introduced uh, anthology. And the scene that they picked, oh my God, the, one of the creepiest dead body images you'll ever see 
this old woman in um what was it called the dripping water or drop of water the, the drop of water that's the segment and yeah. oh my god the, the just the look on that woman's face will give yeah. you a nightmare <laughs> it, it's it's great and it's it's a fun little anthology if you haven't uh, i think shutter i think it's on shutter also if you haven't checked it out it's a lot of fun it's a lot yeah. of fun yeah i i thought that like just showing that particular story to pepper i thought that might like really freak her out and she'd like it you know so we'll see but yeah, yeah I, i'm down i actually have not seen number 96 either pulse so this is one of the two movies on the list so far that i haven't seen um yeah, yeah i i i've like you said you know when when you watch enough of these type of shows whether yeah. it's history of horror or horror documentaries you end up seeing parts of this. I've seen parts of this many times. The movie is Pulse, or I think in um, it was called Cairo, K-I-R-O, K-A-I-R-O. Yes. Yeah, and I haven't seen it, but I know that it is considered to be uh, one of the better uh, Asian horror films of like that late 90s, early 2000s period when they got super popular. Uh, in part due to the success of uh, The Ring and The Grudge. And yeah. people started to say, oh, well, if these American remakes are so scary, where did they come from? And because they right. made a remake of this, I think. And I think I remember hearing it was terrible. I'm, I'm Okay. But so I mean, maybe that's why I never watched it. But again, I, I've circled it. It's a movie I have to get back to. Okay. Yeah. I mean... What they showed looked really unnerving to me. Like, I don't know exactly what happens in it, but it just looked like the kind of thing that you're just so uncomfortable watching. Like, if you were watching it in the theater, you'd be very unsettled. It, it didn't look like you kind of, like, in-your-face, crazy jump-scare horror, but instead, like, just stuff where you just are like, oh, I, I got to get out of here. You know, that, that was kind of the vibe yeah. I got. Just from it, watching this short clip, you know? Yeah, it, it has a lot of that, like, slow, creeping dread. But that's right. a lot of that Japanese Asian horror from that time. Like, even the the ring, you know? Right. The way that the... And, and in the original, Ringu also, the way that, you know, she slowly approaches the TV in The Grudge. The, the most unsettling parts of The Grudge are the way she... the, the Like, the ghost creeps down the steps ever so slowly like with the head yeah. turning it, yeah it, they're masters of like that creepy uh impending dread feeling it, it's <laughs> i i haven't seen anything on this list so far that i'm like oh you know i'll get around to it like every single entry so far <laughs> has been like yeah i want to watch this and so i mean that's on there too uh, finally, we've gotten to another one that I have seen. So I've seen The Orphanage, and I've seen this movie, The Strangers. I am a big fan of this movie. Um, I think that in general, and they talk about this in, in the description too, that it's it's so good in the sense of your space being being violated. And I think that the uh, the, the scene that they reference in the for their clip is when. They finally have Liv Tyler and her husband uh, tied up 
and she asked the, the famous question, you know, why did you pick us? And then the, the strangers say, because you were home. And, um, you know, that in itself is just like, that's a horror movie classic moment right there from like the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. But they also did reference, because I think like what they do on this show is they sort of, they mentioned one moment, but they kind of allude to another moment too. Yeah. And so they mentioned that the male stranger just kind of standing out of, uh, you know, off to the side of the frame. And that which, part is very scary. Which when, when they brought up the strangers, my head, in my head, it immediately went to that moment because right. that to me is, that's pure horror movie stuff. Like, yeah, the guy could run out and kill you, but to just show his head, you know he's now in the house. She doesn't turn around. And then when she finally does, he's not there. And then you hear a noise. And now it's like, oh, crap, don't go there. Now I know somebody's there. I know, you know. So I thought they were going with that as the moment. And then they switched it up and went with the because you were home, which is equally as disturbing um, you know, because somebody referenced it and they said, that's like the only thing you don't want to hear from like somebody who breaks into your house, because you hope that they say like, you know, we're here for the money or we're here for, you know, because, okay, I can give you whatever you want if it means you're going to get out. But right. if you're only here to torture and kill me, well, now I'm, now I'm screwed. That's it. Yeah. 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 And, and also, I mean, what makes that line even more disturbing is that it's sort of like very random too like because they would have gone and tortured someone else and it's just that you just have bad luck and bad fate to you know it, it wasn't because they wanted to kill you in particular it's just you were the only one so yeah totally utterly chilling um i i think that even though there is an alfred hitchcock movie further down on this list um that stranger's moment kind of reminds me of a thing that i remember alfred hitchcock saying which is that like knowing that a character is like sitting on top of a bomb but the character doesn't know about the bomb that's what creates that feeling of tension you know when the audience is aware of something that the character is not and um i i just think that that's the, the movie the strangers has a lot of that in it and um i think that that to me is always much more effective horror than like something like literally shattering through a window or something to get at someone you know yeah. Um, even a jump scare where it's just a character that's just standing there versus like a character that jumps out for a second. I think that that's even more scary because it's like, yeah. they're there. You just didn't know it. I mean, you already kind of said that too. And, and I, the director, I, I, the, the director is really into bleak stuff. Cause he also did, uh, the dark and the wicked, dark and uh, the which wicked. is one of the bleakest horror films that I've seen over the last couple of years. Brian, yeah. I always think his name is Brian Boitano. And I start to sing the South Park song. <laughs> it's like Brian Bertano, I think. Yeah. We referenced his movie. We referenced that movie last week in our video. What the hell were we talking about last oh, time? We Ouija Origin of Evil. Ouija Origin of Evil. Yes. yes, yes. Which makes me wonder, do you think that a Flanagan movie is going to get on this list? I would have to say, I mean, a hundred percent. I have to assume Baseball Boy from Dr. Uh, Sleep is somewhere on this list. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know that, like, so I got to be honest. If we're talking about scariest moments, the scariest thing I think that Flanagan's ever put on screen is Nell 
in Haunting of Hill House, leaping out of the back seat in uh, the episode where the two sisters are driving to the house because I almost freaking lost it when that happened. Like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, so they're not going to put that on because that's a TV series. Uh, probably not on there, but some of the moments in Gerald's game with the Moonlight Man, like, yeah. licking her feet. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. the de-gloving. The de yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there there's a lot of moments like that in all of Flanagan's work. Like I, what about um, when the friend is killed in Hush in the very beginning? Well, I I was gonna say, what about the moment in Hush where he just catches Kate Siegel and kills her, and you're like, what what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. And then and then she's like, nope, that's not the ending, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hey, you never know, because we only we have 88 entries to go after this episode. So we'll see. I'm gonna I'm just gonna say Flanagan, Kate Siegel, and Alex Iso, who is in Doctor Sleep, were all talking heads in this part one. So that leads me to believe that from a political standpoint, a moment from Doctor Sleep is probably on this list at some point. Okay. Yeah, I think I, you're right. And, I, I and, uh, Alex Piso is in Midnight Mass, too, right? She's like the mother that has the, like, she's kind of lost her memory. And So who is she in Dr. Sleep again? I'm sorry. I can't she believe I forgot. Is, she's Wendy. She's uh, Wendy uh, to young Danny at the beginning, before he grows oh, up to be Ewan McGregor. Okay. Gotcha. Right. And okay. she does okay. an amazing right. Shelley Duvall. Okay. Yes. Okay. I remember now. Okay. Well, um, let's move on to number 94, which I'm embarrassed to admit, I have not seen The Wolfman. Now, I have seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein many, many times. And I've seen The Wolfman, Lon Chaney's Wolfman. Oh, that's Lon Chaney Jr., right? Yeah. I've seen Lon Chaney Jr. in that many times, but I've never seen the original. So... The Wolfman is my least favorite of the Universal Monster movies. Uh, that said, I, it's it's a this is one of those that I feel like historical significance, like the like werewolf transformations have become such an important thing in any modern werewolf movie. Going back to obviously the Howling and American Werewolf in London, right uh, and. It, what's interesting is this was kind of a cheat entry because it's not just the Wolfman. It's really all of Lon Chaney Jr.'s transformations with the work of makeup artist Jack Pierce across, like you said, all of his Wolfman movies in the 40s, from the original Wolfman to Abbott and Costello uh, to Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. It's, it's really not just one moment from one movie. It's more like we're acknowledging the work of Jack Pierce and the, the makeup use of, of Lon Chaney Jr. In, as the Wolfman. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, it is like revolutionary for its time. And I, I know that they did talk about Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance too and how good he was. And I can't He's remember great. which person. Like maybe it was like Tony Todd or somebody said that like, or maybe it was Keith David. It was Keith David, I think where you're talking about like how he just empathized with him so much, you know, that, that, that's what um, Lon Chaney Jr. was good at making you feel empathetic toward him. But um, 
I, I think it's interesting. No, no. I am so full of shit. It was David Dasta. I can never say his fucking last name. Oh, What's David Dasmalkian. Yeah. He's the one that said it. He's the one that said it. Um, and that's where we got a little bit, bit of Edgar Wright, too. But it's interesting that they go from 94, which is the Wolfman, to cat people, which, you know, is once again, like it's people turning into an animal kind of from the same time period. I'm assuming you've seen cat people. I have um, last year or it's September now. It might have been. No, I think it was actually earlier this year. Uh, Shudder put up a Val Luton collection. Val Luton was a horror producer in the 40s for RKO. And he was uh, doing these super low budget horror films. Uh, he did a whole bunch in a row. And they're all so good. They're so atmospheric. I actually want to shout out another YouTube channel that Chris turned me on to years ago, Dark Corners. Uh, Dark Corners, it's an English YouTuber who does, he does bad movie reviews of like classic bad movies. But then he also does these in-depth uh, like podcast kind of uh, documentary on documentaries on YouTube about certain things. He does a great one on Ray Harryhausen, on Lon Chaney, and he just did one on the low-budget filmmaking of Val Luton. And uh -huh. I had seen, I was like, I, I it was like a 20-minute video, and I had just watched most of the movies on that list on Shudder. Um, and Cat People is like the most iconic of the Val Luton horror films uh, and the scene, the, the pool scene in Cat People that is talked about here is like probably the most iconic scene in the movie in, from a scare perspective. Yeah. It, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it was um, Bruce Dickerson, right? That's his name? Ernest Dickerson. Oh, I just took the lead singer of Iron Maiden and the guy that did Boys in the Hood. And No, not Boys. Oh, my God. Tales I just no. The guy who did, I, Ernest Dickerson did uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, right. and Juice. He directed Juice also. Great. Okay, and, okay. Um, I, the Snoop yeah. Dogg horror movie also. Oh, God. Right, Bones. right. Bones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I know who he is because I know you're actually a big fan of his work. And um, I just combined their two names. But I think that he was talking about in this moment, I could be completely wrong though too, um, about the idea of, when you see something and you think that like, it, it, like the audience sort of fills in the gap, like they see something and they, they believe it's something that's there, maybe because it's the sound or the movement itself. But that's what he was saying, like the Panther creature was like in that moment. And um, that's, what's really cool about these old movies that seem so like tame and stuff and slow by our modern standards, but they can be just so scary just by the sheer fact that they're filmed in black and white you know, and they use their shadows. So um, I was very intrigued by that movie. And like, once again, I, I want to check it out. I have they're, not they're seen- also, They're also okay. all really short, like 75, 80 minutes. Ooh, gotta love a short ass movie, right? <laughs> so uh, 92 is that Hitchcock movie that I mentioned. It is The Birds. Um, so once, you know, we're kind of doing a whole bunch of like animal related ones or Wolfman, Cat People, now the birds. I the birds is a movie that I've seen 
a lot of bits from like over time because it would just be on cable and stuff when I was a kid, but I've not seen the whole movie through. I'm assuming you have. Yeah. Uh, I, the birds to me is it's, it's, it's good. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, I, there's a lot of other Hitchcock movies I prefer. Um, but like, I, I get why the birds is on there. Effectively Hitchcock making a monster, like a, a nature, a man versus nature horror movie, uh, you know, a, an eco monster movie. It, it has its moments. And the moment they used is probably again, uh, if you were, if, if you said to me, Oh, the birds is on there. Wh which movie, which scene do you think it is? I'd be like, Oh, probably the gas station scene where she, the, everything blows up and she ends up in the phone booth. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what they picked. Yeah. Well, listen, can you remind me when we get to 89, the, the last entry on here, because I feel like the entry for 89 is not the scariest moment in that movie, the last one. So so you and I can talk about that in a minute, too. Okay. But, yeah, I like I said, I've only seen The Birds when I was, like, really young, and I saw, like, it in clips. But I, I know that there's a lot of movies that are kind of like in that genre. The, the, the one I can think of like off the top of my head who's not a good example is The Happening. Kind of gives me that feeling of like, you know, like what's going on? Nature has changed. And um, I just remember as a kid that that scene kind of freaked me out a lot because I remember seeing that scene multiple times. The next one on there, 91. I think that is such an interesting choice. I was not expecting David Lynch on this list so this is uh this is actually one i didn't see uh i i have a huge black spot uh, uh or blind spot is, is for david lynch stuff david lynch is one of those directors where i have to like commit myself to just doing a, a week where i watch his movies and i I've never seen Mulholland Drive, but which is funny because I had seen, there you go. Very nice. <laughs> I knew you were a big fan of, of Lynch. I, yeah. it's funny because I had seen this scene before, but yes. I had no clue what movie it's from. Yeah. So, and also apparently this is the beginning of the movie. It's it's in the like the maybe like the second scene. Yes, it's within okay. like the first four minutes. Yes. So like I had never I had I had seen clips of this like dirt filled dirt covered character who just steps out and scares a man to death, and I I I honestly I I didn't know if it was is is this a horror movie is this a comedy is what what movie is this from and then when i saw that this was mahala drive i was like huh so yes. now i'm like super intrigued to go and watch this i know a lot of david lynch fans who say that this is their favorite david lynch movie mm -hmm. so i maybe this is where i'll start my uh i've seen blue velvet yes that, yes blue yeah. velvet is absolutely insane i i loved it yeah. I love that is my type of crazy. And if yes. most of his movies are that type of crazy, uh, I'm probably going to enjoy this. I've also heard that a lot of his movies at the end of the day don't really make sense. And now I'm like, mm, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might almost recommend, have you ever watched Twin Peaks? Like the show? No, that's, I, I, I did it. 
Yeah. I think, I think it's still on Netflix. You might want to check that out. That might be a good opener for him. If you've already seen Blue Velvet. And then have you ever seen The Elephant Man? Oh, yes. Okay. I have. That, but that's... That doesn't that's not really feel, him. That no. doesn't feel like David... It's a great film, but it doesn't yeah. feel like David Lynch. Yeah. I, I think that this particular clip um, from Mulholland Drive, I think that um, it's a good example of how... In movies that aren't just straight up horror movies, you can have things that are scarier than in actual horror movies. And uh, I'm trying to think of which actor. There was an actor they had on there. Um, oh, it was the guy that is like the new host of Mystery Science Theater. He's the guy that's with the robots now. And he was like, oh, what is this? It's like the most terrifying horror movie ever. Like, you know, it, it, it's this weird thing where you're just not expecting it. Super scary. And, and this isn't the scariest like David Lynch has done other movies that have very scary moments in them too. There's Lost Highway, there's um, Fire Walk With Me. And so he does have like things that are scarier than things that are in other horror movies, you know? Is Lost, so I, I Highway, cool. is Lost Highway the one with like the pale face guy? Okay, mm -hmm. see, again, like I know bits of Lynch, but mm -hmm. I, with the exception of Blue Velvet and... The Elephant Man, I don't think I've seen any of his actual... His full You've book. probably seen Dune, too, right? With Kyle MacLachlan? I never saw the original Dune. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, oh, we're done. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, well, I heard no, that he hates, he hates it, and it's, like, not good. <laughs> right, it, it's not, yeah. And I, I know you don't even like the Dennyville new one too much, but... It's fine. It's fine. Well, we're going on a little David Lynch uh, tangent here. We still got two more entries to go. This next moment, I think from this movie, I think this is the best moment they could have picked from this movie. Do you disagree? I do not disagree. I think this is the best moment. I also think this should be higher on the list. Higher. Yes, it should be a lower number on this list. Uh, yeah. Because this... Number 90 is the scene in the original Child's Play where Chucky right. springs to life against poor Catherine Hicks, the mom, after she right. discovers that the batteries were included but are not in Chucky's back. It's an yes. unbelievable moment. It's a scene that borders on comical and then gets real crazy real fast. And... The reason I would put this higher on the list higher. Is That's right. I think Chucky has become such an important horror icon. Uh, up there with the Freddies and the Jasons and the Michael Myers. Yes. That and and he's also an icon that is still going strong today. Season two of Chucky is coming out in a month. The series. Right. So yeah. this is this is a, a an icon of horror that is not just truly up there with like the top five all time slasher villains. Right. Yeah. But he's still going strong. And I felt that they kind of needed a little more, you know, put a little respect on his name and, yeah. and give him higher than 90 on the list. Like he could have been in the top 50. Like at least, uh, yes. because I, yes, I have to assume, again, I have to assume they're not going to put a moment from any of the Child's Play sequels now 
So I kind of feel like, you know, Leatherface, Jason, uh, Michael Myers, and Freddy, they're going to be way up on the list, probably in the top 20 to 30, maybe even top 10 material. So it feels a little off that Chucky is way down at 90. Uh, the moment itself, though, is brilliant. Uh, I love that they had Tom Holland, the original Tom Holland, not Spider-Man Tom Holland, uh, the director. Uh, I love that they had him there uh, to talk about this moment. Uh, it's, yeah, I I love this movie. I love this franchise. Uh, I, I can't wait for the second season of Chucky to come out so I can uh, watch and review it for the channel again. Uh, yes. So, yeah. I love that this moment made it. I just wish it was higher up on the list. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah, I have seen Child's Play. I think that moment is so great. And I, I have to take a moment to give praise to Brad Dourif because I love Brad Dourif so much. I love Brad Dourif as Chucky. And it's just so great that there's that moment where he's like, you stupid bitch. And he's just like flipping out on the mom. It's just, He's just cursing right in her face. It's so horrible and so great. And I, I love that in this show, they explained that they had to put the floor on an angle so that he would roll under the couch. That was yeah. great. Yeah. I love the behind the scenes stuff. So, but I also agree that like, why is this at 90? And it gives me this kind of feeling that there's going to be some entries on this list where we're like, oh, they put this here. They put this before. Yeah. Cosplay. Yeah. I feel I feel like that could be like something that we talk about uh, in a later video in a little in a later review of this series yeah. is what movies and what what scenes didn't make the cut or yeah. you know what are the top five that we think should have been higher what are the top five we think should have been lower you know we could talk yes. about that in like a hundred and one scariest movie moments uh, recap video that we do there you go. But yeah, and, and like one one last little tangent before we do the last entry. I think that when you get lists like this, every time there's an update, there's a couple of factors that go into play. Like obviously, I don't think they want to do like a scene for scene parallel to the uh, Bravo one, right? They want to kind of shake it up and do something different. Um, I also do think that you said that Bravo one was like 15 years ago. I do think that like the face of horror has changed in 15 years like you know yeah. I, I have this channel i have my comic books channel and you have these mediums where it's like the fans look a certain way it's usually like you know white me middle-aged men and stuff like that right well obviously over the past 15 years things have become more diverse you have fans that all look different and stuff like that now things are changing and so i think that what we might think is like oh well this has to be a you know, top 20, there's going to be new entries in there where we're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, what, what, I, no, that? I agree with you 100%. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It, it's, and, and that's, that's, but that's one of the beauties of doing this channel with you is that like you are very progressive thinking and, and cool. And, and, you know, I think that there'll be entries on here that I only know about because I've watched other documentaries like Har Noir and stuff like that, you know? And that's the beauty of Shudder itself is that you just see all these different perspectives on horror, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, spe speaking of that, you know, Horror Noir was on Shudder. They also have another documentary coming out later this month uh, on uh, 
queer horror, like uh, LGBTQ horror, and I can't wait for that. Uh, another great documentary that's on Shutter was the Scream Queen documentary about Mark Patton from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, uh, right. which was fantastic about yeah. you know how you know he what he went through as a gay man trying to play a final boy, you know, in the eighties, and you know that movie's legacy. So I like that Shudder includes all these and is, is putting out all these documentaries to focus on, you know, those groups in horror that very often do get overlooked. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's, it's very interesting to see, like, what is actually going to be on this list. And I, I look forward to talking about this every week with you. I'm hoping we can do it every Thursday around this time, you know? Yeah. But uh, let's jump into the very last entry for this episode. It's an American werewolf in London. I have seen this one. Uh, just a classic, classic horror movie. I think a lot of people think this is like the definitive werewolf movie. My, my question to you is, do you think that this scene is the scariest scene in the movie? No. Um, and I wouldn't put it in the top two. Uh, and this is one of those, this is one of those where I wrote down, I hope there's going to be more than one moment per movie because how, again, the history teacher in me, I'm thinking of historical significance along with scare. How do you not put the transformation scene? But if you're not going to put the transformation scene, then you have to put the scene where he wakes up as the vampire in the, it, and because that scene, when we, when Charlotte and I watched it, that scene made her walk out of the room crying. It scared her so much. And she told yeah. me to shut the movie off and she didn't want to watch it anymore. And then she came back in 10 minutes later and was like, okay, press play. And we finished the movie. To be fair, I we watched American Werewolf in London with my uh, shades wide open and a big full moon beaming in through our living room. And I, I kept like elbowing her and going, she was like, stop it. <laughs> so i mean for me when i think of this movie it's the transformation and it's the david wakes up as a vampire with just that like ah, and that scene the scene that they did was the dream sequence with the nazi monsters which it it's such a bizarre scene right 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 it it like very much doesn't fit with the movie and i right. like that they were like well he's transforming into a monster so he tries to think of the monsters of the world like nazis i'm like was he <laughs> i yeah, never thought of that it just seemed yeah. like a bizarre dream sequence yeah <laughs> you know honestly it's funny what you're talking about with the movie because there's a part in American Werewolf in London that actually scares me even more than all the scenes that you've mentioned. And maybe it's just me, but like there's the scene where he's in the subway in London and there's this one man that's going down the escalator and you just kind of see the wolf come onto the screen. And the way they did the practical effects for that point, it looks so realistic. And it's like, it's, it's like, it almost like it feels like found footage. You know, it's like very realistic looking. It's that, like that from the wolf's always, point of view. Yeah. Right, right. It, yeah, it's just it like that part always freaks me out for some reason. But yeah, it's a classic movie that like 
like you said, there's some of these movies that have like multiple scenes. Like when they get up to The Exorcist, I feel like there's like at least four scenes in The Exorcist you could use, right? There's uh, pretty much any moment between the opening and, and closing credits, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, what the hell are you supposed to use? So we are just getting started. It looks like they did, what, 12 entries this time around? Yeah, 101 to 89. So, so I 12, think that's... Yeah, yeah and then what is there? Uh, three more entries? There's three more episodes in September. So oh. I don't know if they're going to finish in September or if they're going to carry it over into October. Oh. Because if they're doing 45-minute episodes, which yeah. we're already past, if they're doing 45-minute episodes, they're not going to get to one right. over the next three. I right. thought they were going to do it in, in 25 at a time. I like wrote all, I wrote numbers all the way down to 80 on my sheet. And then it ended yeah. at 89. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe this is going straight to Halloween. That'd be really cool. Hey, I'm down for it. Let's let's keep it going. Yeah, and I'm down for talking about it with you, my man. So do you have anything besides this coming up on the Lastercast? Yeah, uh, I'm going to be... Uh, I'll probably be posting something tomorrow. Um, on Tuesday night, um, I went to a really fun 40th anniversary screening of Friday the 13th part three in actual 3D. First time I had ever seen that movie in 3D uh, at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. It was hosted by Ted uh, Gagan, who has directed um, We Are Still Here, Mohawk, uh, really good horror director, uh, really cool person to follow on social media. Uh, he was there. Uh, and one of the actors was uh, there as well, and it was a lot That's of fun. Cool. Uh, so yeah. I'll I'll do a, a quick little review about that. Uh, also, uh, uh, I know you just posted uh, yesterday. Uh, my uh, Charlotte and I, when we were in Savannah, we visited this little cool museum called the Graveface Museum. A lot of uh, nice. serial killer and true crime stuff. Uh, so. That was a lot of fun. That's up on the channel now. And yeah. uh, I'm definitely going to be trying to get to the movies um, a little bit more now that they're, they're putting out a bunch of classic stuff in the movies now. And there's that new vampire movie, The Invitation, that's gotten some pretty good word of mouth buzz. I might try to slip out later and see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to see Barbarian and I want to see that um, too. That was the other one. Smile yeah. too. Have you seen Which the commercial? For, have you seen the trailer for Smile? I am embarrassed how much I want to see that movie because that <laughs> movie looks. That movie looks. If you just describe that movie to me, I'd be like, "Oh God, it's like another Truth or Dare." Right. Right. But the preview is so gen genuinely unsettling. Mm -hmm. Like it's like if you, you, you used to be a New Yorker, like if you've ever yes. rode on the train in New York and somebody was looking at you like this, <laughs> right. you would get, you would get the hell off the train at the next stop without even looking because, right. and, and everything in that trailer, I keep saying to myself, this movie looks so stupid. And then going, Oh my God, I have to see this movie. So, right. Right. So yeah. Right. But, Barbarian is getting great word of mouth. The Invitation's gotten some pretty good word of mouth uh, and is making pretty good money also. And Smile also looks good. 
it's that time of year. Uh, there, yeah. <laughs> I'm so. excited. Yeah, and and for me, um, I interviewed Keith Lansdale like two weeks ago. At this point, I've just been really swamped with work and with life. So um, I'm gonna probably edit that video this weekend, and that'll probably go up on the channel on Monday. So we absolutely have content coming out on the Lasher Cast. If you guys are listening to the podcast, make sure that you check out our YouTube channel too, um, and vice versa. You know, if you're on the YouTube channel, you can always listen to episodes on the podcast, and maybe when you're working out or something or going for a car ride. But me and Danny here are always talking about horror movies, horror books, horror TV shows. And uh, we want to join the conversation with you too. So make sure to like and subscribe. And we will see you guys next Thursday around this time.